1: Raise your hand if you are so done with the whole COVID thing. hmm Sure, and go ahead and raise your feet, too. We have got to get this out of here. Well, we may have some promising news to share with you in that front, but first, some other important news. At Triangle 411, we entertain, we educate, we laugh, and most importantly, we inform. So as far as informational election news here in Cary, North Carolina, there is a lot happening due to redistricting to the point that even the election voting date has changed several times, and it's still up in the air currently at this time of the broadcast anyway. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe the next time we talk, we'll have something solid for you. But, you know, I am a candidate for Kerry Town Council District C, so if you want to go to my website to keep up on all these election changes and the redistricting changes, you can go to my website, com. And now back to the COVID news. Have you heard about this possible endemic coming? We have invited Dr. Paul Cook, Professor of Medicine at ECU's Brody School of Medicine, to inform us about the subject. Dr. Cook is an expert in the area of infectious diseases, including SARS, COVID, and HIV. Welcome, doctor.
0: Uh, good morning. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for asking, and thanks for being here. And I, I want to tell our audience right off the bat, you know, we, none of us have a crystal ball but we do want to explore some research and educated info out there. So keeping that in mind, um, I'd like to discuss with you some of the sources that are saying that COVID-19 may become an endemic
0: disease. Can
1: you explain what that means?
0: Endemic just means it's 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 here to stay. And there are a lot of infections, common colds, for example, that are endemic. Um, so this is not... Um, um, the end of the world, it just is what happens. So I don't think that that uh, uh, necessarily is a bad thing in the sense that uh, uh, we we can sort of live with uh, uh, endemic diseases, so to speak.
1: So how does the de- disease go from being acute to endemic?
0: Well, acute's a little bit different than uh, epidemic, which is what we're in now. Acute just means it's a uh, uh, very rapid onset. Uh and i think in the in the case of the of this virus the sars-cov-2 it, it it was acute um in um in china in 2019 at the end and then of course in this country in the beginning of uh 2020 uh it's no longer acute because it's been with us uh, two years now uh but it's still an epidemic which i think surprised a lot of people myself included um, um but here we are. Uh, so I, I think that um, it, it's moving now with Omicron towards becoming an, end, an endemic um, disease, and I think that's probably a good thing.
1: Yes, I remember we did a show in 2020, and it was COVID was just starting, and we were talking about masks. Do we wear them or do we not wear them? I mean, it's just crazy. It's just crazy that this is still with us after all this time. Um so, so what are the factors that need to take place to formulate such a transition?
0: Well, I think that uh you know masks are not new um uh, when this f- first started, actually before it first started um the health experts um Dr fauci and the c d c were telling uh people not to wear masks and 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 I followed their lead um uh, because uh, I think that what what they were saying is that save the mask for the healthcare professionals. Um, uh, we, we've moved uh, in a completely different direction, and I think for very good reason. Masks are are effective. Uh, they're not 100%, but hardly anything is. Uh, and, and I think that we we have to use masks uh, judiciously. Um, I've got sort of a graveyard of masks uh, sitting right next to me uh, Mm -hmm. that that I have used and then sort of instead of throwing them away, put them in a pile. Um, If you're going to be in a crowded situation, grocery store, certainly a a subway or or a place where you're going to be around a lot of people, uh, you got to still wear a mask. That's just um, uh, falls, I think, in the no-brainer category. But uh, still, when I go out in public um, and go into stores – Most people aren't wearing masks, and and I think that that's – in this uh, setting of Omicron, uh, really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This particular strain is extremely infectious, really approaching sort of uh, measles type of infectivity, which uh, uh, is um, really kind of mind-boggling in my eyes.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned your graveyard of masks there. And I'm just wondering how much somebody's going to be able to get for those on eBay one day when uh, it becomes like an antique. <laughs> of course, there's going to be quite a few to to, to sell. Um, but hopefully that's our goal, you know, where we get to the point where we don't have to wear those masks. Um, and, and to that point, though, we're hoping COVID, it sounds like what I'm hearing from experts, and then even a little bit what you referenced, that, that COVID may just become something like influenza, something that's a constant we live along with rather than against. Uh, in other words, a manageable threat.
0: Yeah, I think so. But I, I do want to emphasize that uh influenza uh people i think sort of trivialize that, but uh influenza is a is a killer, and most people who get influenza of course don't die, but some do and and um I've been around long enough to see um young people die with influenza and there there are certainly these uh, epidemics the epidemic in nineteen eighteen uh killed probably more people than um uh actually it was a pandemic in other words uh, throughout the world. And it killed more people than died uh, in World War I, uh, which was around the same time. So, uh, uh, yeah, it it may become like influenza, but that's not necessarily a benign disease. Well, what are your thoughts then,
1: like from history, when we talk about things that have become endemic? Can you give us some examples or, or a little bit more detail about what you're clarifying for me here?
0: uh what what has happened uh with this particular virus is um uh as as with a lot of viruses they mutate this one um doesn't mutate any more rapidly than uh some other viruses for example hiv but it does mutate and when you have so much in the world around uh mutations happen um uh more more than than you would like to think When you get mutations, these can be either um, beneficial to the virus or sort of beneficial to the host. And the host, of course, is human beings here. Um, I think in the case of Omicron, the mutations that have occurred uh, have been beneficial to both. And let me clarify. Um, The the virus needs a host. If the virus kills the host, it doesn't have a host and it dies itself. Uh, In the case of Omicron, uh, unlike Delta, this virus doesn't appear to replicate or to uh, uh, produce more viruses in the lungs. Delta does that quite readily, and it destroys lung tissue, and, and that's why people have died and been on ventilators uh, as they have. With Omicron, uh, this this replicates very rapidly, in fact, more rapidly than Delta in the upper respiratory tract, so in the uh, the the throat and the nose, uh, but it doesn't do so well in the in the lungs. Uh, that that's probably okay for the virus because the virus uh, then is able to survive because the host survives.
1: So just while we we skip to Omicron, uh, and then I'll go back to the endemic, but um, this is another thing we're hearing that the uh, Omicron variant might be hitting a peak?
0: Yeah, and I think that's true. Uh, This was somewhat predictable uh, because we had, I mean, I think that uh, uh, in this day and age, unlike Two centuries ago, we can see what happens and see it almost in real time. In, in other places, in, in, in this case, it was South Africa. South Africa, of course, uh, experienced the first um, uh, wave of, uh, of Omicron, and it was uh, it was unbelievably um, uh, uh, acute. And then it just sort of disappeared, and it was very rapid. And so, what? was predicted is what is predicted is the same uh, would happen elsewhere. And I think that we're we're probably have already hit the peak with Omicron in this country. If you look at the number of cases in New York City, for example, um, they seem to have peaked. And I think we're likely to see the peak uh, elsewhere in this country.
1: Mm-hmm. Good. That's good news. Um, and the endemic is, is good news. I mean, like, again, we said no crystal ball, but hopefully. Um, you know, I want to go back now. Okay. We're hopping all over, but thanks for keeping up here. Um, back to what you said earlier about the mutations. So so thoughts, of course, again, no crystal ball, but these variants, as they emerge, do you feel we're, if not 100% okay with them, well, we won't be 100%, but if we're not okay with them, are we at least close? as far as our vaccine standing up to them or a certain amount of herd immunity, et cetera?
0: Yeah, the herd immunity thing, I'm not so sure about. Herd immunity works as long as the virus doesn't mutate a lot. Um, If the virus mutates, then herd immunity is sort of out the window. Um, I think that what people I don't think really appreciate is um, that uh, the virus continues to mutate. So that Omicron is not the end. Mm-hmm. And if Omicron mutates again, which it will, we're not saying it might, it, it definitely will. Uh what if it mutates to a virus that now is not only rapidly replicates but also then attaches to the lung and destroys the lung? Well then we're we're back to square one. Uh we've in fact we're worse than Delta because uh if that happens uh we're in trouble. So I think that um, these vaccines that are currently available are are reasonably good, if you've got three doses, two, and then this booster, at protecting against bad disease. They're probably not so good against protecting um, against infection. In other words, a lot of people who've had uh, two doses and a booster still get infected. But for the most part, if they're otherwise healthy, they have very mild disease, and, and and I've certainly seen it in in my um, uh, in, in my colleagues uh, who a lot of whom have got who've had uh, COVID, and they've described it as sort of a, a mild cold. Um, so I, I I think that um, Omicron, as I mentioned earlier, is probably good in the sense that it's not as serious as Delta, but it doesn't mean that this uh, problem is over. In fact. The concern is it it might start over again. So it sounds
1: like uh, bare minimum we'll be getting some kind of either vaccine or booster shot every year or so.
0: Well, um, yeah, that's that's a that's a lot of speculation on that one. But uh, if you ask me uh, to bet on that, I'd say that's a pretty safe bet.
1: Um so, in your opinion, what kind of timeline are we looking at for covid nineteen to become an endemic
0: well i I think that uh we're we're sort of moving in that direction now, but I would say uh probably sometime later this year but you know um again if we if we have another if if we have another bad mutations in the virus um then I don't know we, we mm. might be back uh, where we were before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: If we were lucky enough <laughs> for it to happen,
0: what would that sure. look
1: like? What would a endemic covid look like?
0: Well, I think that uh, uh we we really have to learn some lessons from this. Um when so I'm uh, in case you don't know, I'm not um, I'm not young. Um I'm not about to die, but I've seen a lot of things happen over the years, one of which was um, uh, budget cuts, particularly in the public health sector. Uh, these are both at the state level and at the federal level. And, and what um, the organization that I'm a part of, the Infectious Disease Society of America, has been saying for more than two decades is uh, we've got to be prepared for uh, an epidemic. And what we were saying at that time was uh, an epidemic of influenza because we, you know, we look back to historically and see that uh, uh, epidemics of influenza are, are extremely deadly if they have uh, one of these mutations or sort of what they call antigenic uh, shifts and the population is not immune and then a lot of them die. Well, um, uh, I think that's what we've got to be on the lookout with uh, with Omicron, and I think that uh, uh, we can't let our guard down. I, I think that if we go out in public, we're probably going to have to continue to wear masks to some extent if we're in a crowded area. But I, I don't think that that means we have to wear masks necessarily in the um, Uh, In the office, if there's not a lot of people, or in a classroom uh, uh, where you have a teacher and and, and students, Uh, it it really has to be on a sort of case-by-case basis, and and I think that what the public has to understand is that um, the recommendations may change, and they may actually change uh, quickly. If I can give an example, um, last summer, the CDC said, "Well, well, if you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask. Well, when that came out, I was a little bit skeptical um, myself, in fact, more than a little bit skeptical and I thought it was a little um, presumptuous and uh, uh, and 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 I was right and I'm not clairvoyant, but uh uh we what happened is you got a different virus mutation and 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 here we are. So, I think that things are going to change and people are going to have to be um, wary about these potentials for changed mutations and uh um I think life as we knew it uh 3 years ago is probably not going to be exactly the same.
1: Uh you mentioned an organization, can you what was that organization you belong to?
0: It's called uh, Infectious Diseases Society of America or IDSA. Uh you can google it. It's uh, it's been around for a while. Um, it's it's basically the uh, the organization of infectious diseases um, clinicians. So, you know, the cardiologists had their uh, their organization. Internists have theirs. I'm a member of that as well. But it's it's basically then the, the uh, national organization for infectious disease clinicians. Is that considered a nonprofit? Well, I I think it's nonprofit. I mean, it's their uh, their dues that are paid, but, um, I don't think it's an organization that, uh, necessarily, uh, is a profit organization. It's, um, uh, it would be similar to, um, you know, a cardiology organization or an internist organization. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be surprised if it's, if it's a for-profit organization.
1: Well, I just bring it up because if it, if there's a chance for people to donate, uh, towards, you know, and, and, all these causes that may make life better in life, especially with the healthcare system, I would encourage them to at least go check out the website and see what's there for either information or getting involved or possibly a donation then if it is uh, such the the case. But we are about to go and talk about a well-known nonprofit organization. So I'm going to let you go before I get into that. And thank you so much once again for being with us.
0: Well, I enjoyed it, and you have a good day.
1: So as far as the Red Cross, they have a fundraising event coming up. Um, so, you know, as this pandemic continues, emergencies don't stop, and neither does the Red Cross. This particular event I'm telling you about is Show Up for Red, and it is Saturday, January 29th, from 4.30 to 7 p.m. and carry. Guests will be able to celebrate the life-saving mission of the Red Cross while enjoying awesome food, wine, and live entertainment. This exclusive Show Up for Red event on Saturday, January 29th, allows folks to gather to support their mission to raise funds to be used locally by the Red Cross to alleviate human sufferings, and we're talking helping people affected by disasters. Supporting military families, delivering life-saving blood, as well as teaching critical life-saving skills. Now, these tickets, they're really reasonable, $50 per person, but they must be purchased in advance. So to find them on Facebook, it's Show Up for Red or Cocktails for a Cause-Carry. You can also contact Christine, she's very helpful, 919-606-9054. Remember, this happens Saturday, this Saturday, so hurry and get your tickets now. And, you know, if you can't make it or you don't live in Cary, you can still support the mission of the Red Cross by making a donation of any amount. Again, find them on Facebook. Show up for red or cocktails for a cause. Dash carry. Well, it's time to high five and say goodbye. I'm Mary Insbrucker for Triangle 411 today. Dot dot dot. Give back.